you guys so much for tuning in to my podcast, the Next Generation Visionaries Podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Bo Baker, and on my first ever episode, I have the amazing people that made me the next generation visionary that I am today. My parents, my mom, Sabrina Baker, who is the calmest person you will ever meet in your life unless you mess with her family or it's a catering day. My dad, <laughs> Al Bubba Baker, the former quarterback shaker, the boneless rib maker, the man with the plan, and the man behind the brand. Hey, guys. Hey. <laughs> so this podcast is set up to help people that are in family businesses make a decision on if they want their business to go on for generations or if they want to just have a business that will you know, be around for years. So I think it's important to make that decision on whether or not you want to create a brand that carries on for generations or if you just want a business to go on for a couple of years. So we'll be talking to people with family businesses and we'll also be talking to people that had the opportunity to follow in their family's footsteps but chose a different career path. So that's what this podcast is about. So before we get into our family's brand, Bubba's Q and Bubba's Boneless Ribs, Dad, could you give us a little bit of background on your NFL career, your amazing 13 years in the NFL? I want to talk, I want you to talk a little bit about how you led the league in sacks when it was unofficial and just give us a little bit of that background, please. Well, uh, thank you, Brittany. Uh, my, my first year was 1978. And humbly, I was rookie of the year. And uh, the 23 sacks that I had um, then, as you already stated, don't count. And uh, so I actually have 143 and a half sacks, but the records say I have 65. But the truth of it is, is I was taught during my professional football career, you never wanna break your arm trying to pat yourself on your own back. Correct. So I've, I've never really joined in on any of those um, online fights or anything to, you know, try and get myself into the Hall of Fame. I figured that there's one or two or maybe three or four quarterbacks out there that remember me. Yeah. <laughs> when we could I, actually hit them, you know. Yeah, I, I yeah. agree. I, I bet they definitely do remember you. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit what, what you think it takes to be a successful NFL player. Um, you, I know you've told me before you had the vision when you were in school, you could smell the popcorn, you yep. could hear people cheer you on. Like, how do you think you were able to accomplish what I'm sure so many people, young, young boys dream about doing? How were you able to do that? Well, the body can't achieve what the mind doesn't perceive. And I was 12 years old when I watched a game of the Dallas Cowboys and the Cleveland Browns. And when I heard them announce Chuck Howley running out of the tunnel with his helmet in his hand, I looked at the TV screen and I said, that's what I'm going to do. And I never let go of that vision. Now, you got to understand how unlikely I was at the time. I was probably close to 5'7", about 275 pounds. I was what we like to refer to as weight challenged. 
Yeah. <laughs> we didn't. We don't use words like fat. You know. That's right. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> like I was just weight challenged. Right. And uh, but I got it in here and in here. And every single time that we were playing touch football on the blacktop, I was always, you know, Chuck Howley, or I was, at the time, I was, you know, Roger Starback. And I just had a big vision. And what it taught me was, it doesn't cost you anything to dream big. So that was what I think was instrumental because that always gave me something to measure myself by. When I was practicing, instead of measuring the other person, I was always measuring myself. Is that what's going to get you your end goal of what you want to do as far as an athlete? Right, right. Because that wasn't the only thing that was going on in my life. So, right. you know, football was something that I thought was a vehicle right. to me getting to where I wanted to be. But, I mean, I thought about it. Every night, I thought about it every day. I thought about it when I was sitting in the corner in school and the teacher said, go sit in the corner, James Baker. Right, yeah. And then yeah. I thought, is this what, is this yeah. going to get me to the NFL? And then my mom, she kind of helped me realize that it wasn't when I got home. Yeah. <laughs> but I spent a lot of days in the corner with yeah. my ADHD. So right. I thought about it all the time. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you achieved many people's dream and goals, so... That's amazing, and I'm a proud daughter, if I never Thank told you, you that. And Thank I know that it takes a lot of determination, a lot of resilience, a lot of perseverance, because I'm sure, I mean, especially like you called it weight challenge, I'm sure many people were like, yeah, right, you'll never make it in the NFL. Yep. And um, you did. So those traits are very important, uh, whether it's, you know, working your way to the NFL, or if it's in creating a business, like you Absolutely. guys created together. I mean, people will tell you what you can and you can't do, and you did it time and time again, and you guys did it again with Bubba's Q. So could you tell us a little bit about what made you start Bubba's Q, the restaurant? Well, I'm or actually- the brand, I'm sorry, Bubba's Q, the brand. Yeah, well, I'm actually a second generation because my uncle, Melton Jenkins Jr., the proprietor um, of Jenkins Quality Barbecue in Jacksonville, he had eight daughters. I rode in the, I rode shotgun with one of what I would consider now to be one of the most famous people to come out of Jacksonville uh, in that he had an entrepreneurial spirit in 1950 wow. and people crossed the line of all colors, presidents, uh, senators, you name it, ate at Jenkins Quality Barbecue. And, uh, you know, it was a mustard-based barbecue sauce. It was pit barbecue, meaning so the fire good. was right underneath the barbecue. They didn't have air conditioning. And it was hot. <laughs> right. And it put out a really good product. But more importantly, my uncle wasn't satisfied with one location or three locations. He eventually wound up at one time with nine. Wow. And that was unheard of. Right. You know, and they were all in the inner city and they were thriving businesses. And, and, you know, I think he operated that way for probably about the first 15 years of my life. I started working for him when I was five. So I knew exactly what I was going to be doing. Mm -hmm. I was going to be in the barbecue business. And I just thank my uncle. He's up in barbecue heaven now. Yes, he is. Probably yes. smoking some red. Yes. <laughs> 
But well, there's um, some lucky other angels up there enjoying yeah, that barbecue. Oh, that that's for good. sure. Yeah. <laughs> but yes. you know, that was got it. That's what got it into my spirit. Riding in the car, watching him interact with his with his employees first, with his family, and mm -hmm. then of course working with his customers. And he always talked to me about how you treat people. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. inevitably, even if you sell dog food, it's a people's business. Dogs Absolutely. don't go to the store or order offline. Mm -hmm. So you're dealing with people. And that was the thing he taught me the most about. Awesome. Awesome. And then when you guys decided we're going to do Bubba's Q, we're going to start this from our home in Avon, Ohio. And we're going to start just by kind of making some brand awareness. And we're going to get out here and we're going to share our product with people. Because that's kind of where we, we started, from the house. And um, I remember me and James at, I was about 12 maybe, chopping and dicing at 5 a.m. before school and helping you with the recipes. How did you guys decide you were going to be the side dishes mom and dad, you were going to do the meats? Like, how did you guys come to that agreement? Or did it just kind of work out like that? Or I think it all came together like that because your dad, coming from the background he did with Daddy Junior at Jenkins, he always perfected the meats. Gotcha. Smoking of the meat and the brisket and the pork. And I just went with the side dishes that I grew up with for my family recipes, the baked beans, the coleslaw. Just traveling around, we came with some good ingredients to put together to make everything better and our own brand. And yes. I put you kids to work and yes. it just went from there and we grew it and eventually just started uh, growing with employees so you guys could have a social life and do yes. normal things that kids did. And uh, <laughs> that's all that Is that how you remember it? <laughs> They did normal things. Yeah. Uh, you I remember working, normal, yeah. Like normal things. Yeah. So that include running away. I just remember working. Uh, oh, you don't remember the that part? No, I don't remember anything oh, okay. else but the hard, that might hard my, work. That might have been some, some other Brittany. No, yeah. So. <laughs> Dan, can you tell us what does the Q mean in Bubba's Q? Well, the Q, it also came from Jenkins quality barbecue. Gotcha. I borrowed the cue for quality, gotcha. um, consistency, mm -hmm. and service. And those were the things that I took away from watching uh, my daddy Jr. Because I mean, he was, he was sincere right. about mm -hmm. the customers. Mm -hmm. And he was really sincere about the food. Mm -hmm. And I can recall riding with him and watching him coach, mm -hmm. whether it be the cooks, whether it be the, the people that actually were at the window. Mm -hmm. And you got to understand, this was an inner city in a pretty tough city. Jacksonville was going through a, like a change, mm -hmm. and he had to put up that protective glass. Right. Or, you know, he'd have issues. Absolutely. And to watch my uncle come from behind the glass right. and interact with customers, yeah. you know, I, it made me think, well, if this is here to protect you from the bad guys, why are you going what are you doing? Yeah. And he just, you know, he just believed in it so much. And mm -hmm. he knew his customers at every last location so right. well. He knew them by first name. Right. Uh, he knew what they wanted. He would, I mean, he would see them and say, you getting a whole slab and a sandwich. 
mm-hmm. baked beans and coleslaw to go. Right. And they'd say, yeah, Junior. And yeah. that made <laughs> the world of a difference. To right. Them. Absolutely. And they always give them extra white bread with the mm-hmm. mustard sauce on it while they waited. Right. With a little piece of the meat that broke off. Yeah. And I was just always amazed at how he just interacted with his customers. And you know what? You have that same interaction when we had Bubba's Q. We also had our restaurant in Avon, Ohio that we opened that was open for 15 amazing years. But you had that same interaction and bond with the customers that came into um, Bubba's Q and Avon. So I think that's really important to have in your businesses is kind of like a, a relationship with your customers. Absolutely. So, yeah. So when, when we had Bubba's Q and Avon, did you ever want multiple locations? Or I remember at meetings, you would always talk about the quality, the service, and doing it consistently. So did you want to grow it into more locations? Or did you always want that one to be able to ensure that, you know, you had that relationship with the customers and that, you know, it, everything was a quality product? You know, when you talk about generational visionaries, um, unlike my uncle, I missed the boat on initially setting up Bubba's Q to be multiple location. And it's something to really think about. If you go into your business and all you see is the vision of that one location and you operate it in that manner, um, then you're not going to be able to separate yourself, nor are you going to be able to accept the, the challenges that come along with multiple locations because you cannot be everywhere at one time. Right. And for me, I didn't do so well, and it's something to share with people. You got to have the multiple location. You got to have the a determination to build management my fault was I loved the barbecue business so much that I could not trust anybody else mm-hmm. because I'd already had a failed operation, mm-hmm. which taught me what to do. And that was to trust other people mm-hmm. in, in, in the business because, you know, Al couldn't cook, couldn't manage, couldn't interact with the customers. But I didn't make that next step, which was to build people that could open stores inside of Bubba's Q. Mm -hmm. I was too busy standing over them, making sure that they did the recipes exactly the way I wanted them, Mm -hmm. that they were clean and that they were professional Mm -hmm. and that the food was consistent. Mm -hmm. You can't do all those things. You have to let go. And I didn't do that. So that was why we never had another location. And I don't think that that's a trait that is normally genetically predisposed, but I think somehow I have inherited that same exact trait from you as a next generation um, business owner, because I do the same thing. It's hard to be able to trust people to do things that you want them to do a certain way, because we know we're going to do it right. And then you don't know if they're putting out good food. (laughs) And my mom's laughing because you guys like to do everything yourself. And it's not even that because we know we need to delegate it, but you get so mad when you give it to somebody else to do and they don't do it right. 
you know, like I could have did it right and I trusted you to do it and you didn't. But I guess that's just a part of, you know, being in business because you'll drive yourself crazy if you don't, you know, trust other people to do it right. That's um, why that's so crazy now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a, we can't help it. We can't help it. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, before we go more into the restaurant and the brand, I just want to go back and touch on uh, before we opened Bubba's Q in Avon, Ohio, we catered from home. But when we weren't catering from home, we were also doing demos in the grocery stores of our barbecue sauces, Bubba's Q. And we were also setting up on the street corners, barrel grills in Avon, Ohio. Um, what, what made you come up with that idea? And just like, what made you guys do that? And how, how did that go? Well, we traveled a lot. I know the barrel grills were, uh, you know, in the inner city, we would see those a lot. Your dad was very, very curious about those. So we, we did experiment a lot with those. And, you know, it's about the hustle and bustle. You had to make a living. So yeah. we just created, you know, doing it on the streets and making money to raise our family and our, you know. Mm -hmm. And we were out there to too. Yeah, yeah, James so and I and less overhead, right? Correct. Yeah, we started, <laughs> we started at home and we just grew it from there. Mm -hmm. Well, now that I look back at it. It was a food truck without wheels. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It was a food truck without wheels, yeah. And you could mobilize and you could yeah. go anywhere, and we did. We moved yeah. multiple times. Exactly. But, but that was more of a, you know, it was kind of a product test because mm -hmm. we had the Shaker Heights store open Right before Over that, on the east side, right. And in the African American community, everybody had their own barrels. Right, right. They had grills on their own front porch. So mm -hmm. when the main holidays rolled around, uh, Memorial Day, right, uh, Independence Day, and Labor Day, right, uh, we didn't have a good, um, but customer base. Right, everybody right. Celebrated differently. Yeah. In the mm -hmm. inner city. Right. So we lived out in the country where right. there was no good barbecue. Right. So the idea that we had was we got out in front of a um, a local bar. We, mm -hmm. we knew that people had to go in there and drink. Right. We didn't have food. Right. So it was kind of a no-brainer. Right. And that mm -hmm. thing took off to the mm -hmm. point that it caused us to close down that east side location. Right. And to start looking for a location on the uh on the west side of cleveland right yeah. yeah in the suburbs right. and, and the truth of it was was you know and, and i'm not trying to be funny but right. a lot of people in the suburbs just don't cook they right. go out more they yeah. don't yeah. they don't they didn't have real barbecue they had right. what we call oven cue right yeah take it in the oven and then put it on the grill right and i thought well if we get a, a taste of real barbecue right wow what would that be like a hit you know, and, and it, it was it, a, hit. It yeah. a hit. It was, yeah. Yeah. And it, it was also that yeah. the restaurant. Yeah. And creating brand awareness more so in the area. People started to know who you guys were and what the product was. Yeah. And then in 2006, and me and James were out there working too, uh, out there on the street corners, barbecuing and learning the business and learning the brand and learning the foods and the recipes and when we, when you guys opened the restaurant in 2006, I could say we were 
very happy to be. Um, <laughs> Who was happy? <laughs> I know I was happy to be inside under a roof and <laughs> not yeah. cooking on the corners anymore. But that was a big, big milestone and a big accomplishment. Yeah, yeah it was. It was. So um, when you guys had, like, when we were doing those things, catering from home, cooking on the street corners, and did you guys think like, you know, this is creating a passion in our kids right now. And this is a brand that we're going to want to grow for generations. Or were you just kind of like the kids have hands and they're going to work? Like what, what was the thought behind that? I think I was more of a thinker like that. Your dad is more that of a the kids forward. have hands. And I was just thinking on the now, what we had to do to, you know, to, to yeah. stay afloat and to, you know, have money and to yeah. uh, start a business. So, yeah, um, I was looking at the day to day. I was not looking at the future at that point. Gotcha. But then as we got bigger and bigger, we had started hiring employees right. and eventually employees come yeah. into our home, mm -hmm. then we knew we had to grow into uh, a storefront. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. How about you, Pops? What were you thinking? Well, from riding around with Daddy Jr., wherever I was, whether it was Detroit, St. Louis, or um, uh, eventually Cleveland, whenever he came to visit, no matter where we were in the car, he would say, pull over, pull over there, boy. And uh, that's the way he referred to me. Yeah. <laughs> Pull over over there, boy. And he would get out and he would look around. And I would say, what you doing, daddy? He'd say, this would be a great location. Got mm -hmm. traffic going both ways mm -hmm. and easy access in and out. Mm -hmm. And uh, this would be a good place for a Jenkins. Mm -hmm. And so I found myself doing that mm -hmm. because yeah. I learned it through osmosis, you know, riding yeah. around with daddy junior. Absolutely. So, I would drive around um, in our area mm -hmm. looking for high traffic areas, looking for easy entrance and exiting. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I would see, I must have saw a hundred different locations. Mm -hmm. And finally, I saw a barn that I thought would mimic the old South. Mm -hmm. And of course, I always had a passion for the Southern barbecue. Right. What I like to refer to as real barbecue. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, I didn't want to make pit barbecue because I didn't think it held well. Right. Um, I wanted to smoke meats. Right. And hence, that's where the Southern uh, smoke, the brisket and the pulled pork and the smoked mm -hmm. chicken came into uh, to be really, really popular items for many years at our restaurant. Right. And, well, you lead me into my next topic, talking about uh, popular items. After we opened the restaurant in 2006, shortly after we patented our products, our Bubba's Boneless Ribs. So would you guys tell us how the Boneless Ribs came about? Well, actually, I, I, I dated back to your mom um, coming from the north. Brittany, she only, her dad only cooked barbecue ribs or barbecue food. Right. Uh, Memorial Day, Fourth uh, of July, and Labor Day. Otherwise, he called a barbecue hamburgers and hot dogs, and I had never seen that. 
because I barbecued year round. I barbecued in the snow. Right. I barbecued. I even, I'm stupid enough that I barbecued in lightning, you know. <laughs> you know I'd have a metal grill, a barrel grill, or mm -hmm. whether it be a kettle or something that I made. Mm -hmm. uh, I went out regardless of the weather. And so it, it was easy for me to introduce, you know, the item that I thought made the most sense. And that was because your mom did not like bones. Mm -hmm. She didn't care for the bones. And that's mm -hmm. what kind of got me started on the boneless ribs, which when you came in and helped finish it off. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. how we became um, coal inventors. Yes, because if are. it were not for you, we would have never introduced it and been able to patent it before we actually served it in our restaurant. So that's kind of how I remember it. You and we'd walk around the restaurant once we opened and we'd see people cutting the meat off the bone and mm -hmm. it was really not appealing. And not thought, at all, yeah. Yeah, we thought, and mostly you and your dad thought about how could we do this so that there's no bones and these people can eat an actual slab of ribs without the bones. And through it, it, it did, and through actual more slab is the key word. That, actual you know, slab, actual and it slab. not not pieces of meat stuck together with food safe glue. You know, exactly, and real it took real baby back ribs. Yep, and it took again. I was just about to say that a lot of hard work, perseverance, determination. People telling us what we couldn't do, what people weren't gonna buy, and. You know, um, we oh, knew. I like the bones. That's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the bones. Oh, like the bones. They're cooked with the bones up. in. Yeah, so they have yeah. all of that um, good flavor and everything. And we were able to work our butts off and secure two patents, not just one. We own the yeah. patent for the product and the process of deboning um, ribs. So kudos to you guys and us for, you know, doing what they told us couldn't be done. Um, and, uh, in 2013, we pitched that product on Shark Tank where we struck a deal with one of the sharks and, um, want to tell us a little bit about that? Well, actually, Brittany, the credit goes to you because I had not <laughs> watched the new show at the time called Shark Tank. I didn't understand it. And if you had not have persisted and sent me to my favorite part where you tricked me now that I look back and you said, hey, all they need is for somebody to describe it, but it's got limited characters. And with me being long-winded, that was a challenge. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I would have to say modestly, the fact that it had limited space for characters, it made me bullet point what made a boneless rib um, something unique and then of course the patents are what interested um in this case damon john and mm -hmm. kevin o'leary mm -hmm. and uh and i think um uh Hershevik was was instrumental mm -hmm. in describing and of course barbara corcoran talked about how great they taste mm -hmm. and the convenience of them and our big interest was was that we saw so many people that did not want to engage the bones. Mm -hmm. And hence, that's what invention, that's the mother of invention, and it was need. And it was Absolutely. your determination that got 
us as a family on the show because you pursued them like you pursue everything in life with all your will and determination. Like this podcast. <laughs> well, thank you guys. Yeah. And then the research started. Yes, exactly. Well, we all did it together. Um, and before we even went on Shark Tank, though, we were working our butts off in a plant overnight. Uh, I mean, we had some crazy experiences working to grow our patented boneless ribs just as a family and a couple of people working in the plant. I mean, we were working what, like midnight to five o'clock in the morning? Around the clock. And then mm -hmm. your mom and I would go direct. We get about a three to four hour nap and then we go to a store in that same chain and we would demo the product, you mm -hmm. would go back yeah, to, to the, the restaurant, restaurant and, and oversee and the crew. Pay attention to the yeah. restaurant. And your mom and I would just go fall across the bed and be sleeping. Yeah. Oh yeah, literally we worked our butts off to create this product, to build brand awareness. We kind of did a beta test in the restaurant where we found out that people love a real rib with no bones. It started to outsell America's favorite rib, the bone-in baby back rib four to one. And then once we got on Shark Tank, that scaled our business to a whole nother level. And there was absolutely no way that we would be able to keep up with the demand for the product, making it ourselves. So that was another part of scaling this business that we started, you guys started before me, but we all worked together to build from home on the street corners. So just looking back, we've come a long way from the street corners and working from home and now having this product that we sell online and in retail stores. And after Shark Tank, you guys kind of took a step back from the restaurant business to work on the retail side of things. And then uh, my brother James and I became what I call a second generation business operator. But like you touched on in the beginning of the podcast is that people were kind of looking for Bubba because you had created that presence. And I feel like I was working my butt off to kind of prove to people that, yes, my dad has stepped back. Yes, my mom has stepped back but these are still the same recipes that we created together and you know we're trying to deliver to you but in in our situation it seemed like people weren't enjoying the experience as much without bubba you know kissing babies and touching the tables like you said you saw daddy junior do why do you think that is well a lot of it had to do with um having played professional sports. Um, we Frankly, we lost a lot of business in caterings when I stopped being able to go to caterings, mm -hmm. when I stopped being able to taste, touch tables. And um, frankly speaking, it was a bit much. And, mm -hmm. and thank God that I realized it at the time that I did because I don't think I would be here to be on this podcast if I had not have realized that, you know, you can't be all things to all people. Mm -hmm. And certainly after Shark Tank, you know, people wanted to contact me. I mean, I remember shutting down our answering service the next day after oh, we went gosh. to Shark Tank. We had that. so many calls 
with people that wanted to talk to me. Right. And that wasn't the purpose of me being on Shark Tank. It wasn't so that I could consult other people as a business advisor. Mm-hmm. So those are the things that I had not really thought forward on. Mm-hmm. But I would say this, uh, for the next generation people, you, you really need to think about what is this going to bring about and how am I going to handle it? Mm-hmm. And in my case, I made what I consider to be a brave decision. And that was, hey, I'm not going to try and be all these things to people. Right. I'm not going to have a person call the restaurant and say, um, are you going to be there Friday because I want to bring 10 people in? Mm-hmm. No, I'm not going to be there Friday. I'm right. going to be in Philadelphia. I'm going right. to be in L.A. Mm-hmm. You know, and really, mm-hmm. that's not your job. Right. right. I never right. saw anybody say to my uncle, hey, which store are you going to be at at such and such time? Because right. I want you to meet my friend. Right. If your business gets to that point with you, then you have not properly prepared yourself for growth. Mm-hmm. And I'm willing to admit to that. And if I would have started off not being there every day, all day, then the consumer wouldn't have expected me to be there mm-hmm. every day, all day. And that happened to do with my inability to delegate mm-hmm. and my lack of being a visionary because I would have opened another store at the peak mm-hmm. of our time, which would have been 2007, 2008. Mm-hmm. Uh, right as the economy hit, there were very cheap uh, leases available. If I would have been thinking the way I see things now, mm-hmm. I would have known, well, the landlords are really hurting for uh, tenants. Right. That would have been the time, same as it is with stocks. That's the right. time to buy. Mm-hmm. That would have been the time to start the business plan for a second location Mm -hmm. and then start thinking about a third and Mm -hmm. and not being at all these stores but having somebody that i trained in the first store Mm -hmm. and kept them by my side and i i didn't see it Mm -hmm. well that's okay it is it is what it is and you know you made it very far and grew this business to an amazing level and it continues to grow so that was just that point in time and, and that part of the business, the restaurant business, the, the retail. restaurant. Exactly. People so they're still and, and you know what? The the great things about the retail business is people rebuy the product without you having to be there to push it. You know what I mean? Once they try it, they they tend to rebuy it online or in the grocery stores. Um, but with the restaurant, you guys had wanted to close it so many times and I begged you multiple times. I mean, literally begged you to keep it open. And I think that I did that because of um, just memories that I had that we had created. And I remember when, when there was nothing in the restaurant and you had it built out and you guys walking through it and you saying, this is going to be the dish and the indoor when there was no dish and no indoor. So like, that was one of the reasons that I was like holding on so tight to the restaurant because I felt like it was my duty as a second generation um, child to take it to the next level. So like every time you wanted to close it, I was like, it's on me to fight for it, you know? And I had um, created a vision for it, but I'm getting emotional here. But- um, It's okay, it's okay. I, <laughs> I will too. I know. <laughs> 
I had created a vision for it. And the, and the other part of it was that, you know, the people that worked there, I kind of was like, they count on me now as a second generation operator to provide for them, basically. I mean, I felt like these people without me, which they're adults, you know, so I shouldn't have felt like that. And finally, I started to listen to a life coach and she told me, Natalie Bacon, who's my online life coach, and she was like, don't hold on to things because of the memories, you know? And, and reading my Bible made me realize that God has a plan and that when it's time to go on to your next chapter, it's time to go on to your next chapter. So when I finally, you know, had that life awakening and was like, you know, there's next levels to this. This business has more levels, life has more levels, and it's time to move on. So when you guys made the decision to close the restaurant, I guess at the same time I'm saying I moved on, but at the same time you closed the restaurant, I opened up a food truck. <laughs> I kind of moved on. Huh? Yeah, I kind of moved on, but I kind of at the same time feel like I want to keep this brand going because we worked so hard to build the Bubba's Q brand. So that's why I started the Bubba's Q food truck. And I'm the second generation owner of the Bubba's Q food truck, where the menu is centered around our boneless ribs. And it's not all of the traditional barbecue, but just more so to kind of get out there and to share our product with the world. And it's a restaurant on wheels. And I just want to ask you guys, did you like think that once you closed the restaurant, like that would be kind of the end of that part? Or did you think that I would kind of, you know, carry on that, that restaurant <laughs> and open another business? Or what did you guys think? I knew it was in your heart to keep it going. We had no idea that you were going to start a food truck. <laughs> we thought the restaurant was behind us, and here comes Brittany with the food truck out of this world. Not just a food truck, but an amazing food truck with somebody smoker from the restaurant that really didn't know about it. They were super shocked. Oh, <laughs> On my gosh. to 
grow our boneless ribs that we sell online and that are in the retail stores, our Bubba's boneless ribs, what's your vision for that um, part of the business, the boneless ribs? Well, I want to start by saying um, the thing I enjoy the most about your food truck is that I sleep at night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I have absolutely nothing to do with it except for when you ask about the, um, the, the, the little intricacies of the recipe in, in terms of the meat. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, the best part of any type of retail is that I'm not involved mm -hmm. because I found out that my peak years are behind me because if you're going to do retail, you can't have hours, mm -hmm. you know, because even when you're not in front of the customer, you're working not only in your business, but you're working on your business. Mm -hmm. The beauty in having the boneless ribs is now that we've outsourced uh, the, making the product uh, through another co-packer, now that we've outsourced uh, people handling to ship it, uh, doing things like QVC to continue to build a brand, I don't have all those hats. Mm -hmm. I get to be um, going back to that little boy that watched that football game on, I get to be the brand ambassador. Mm -hmm. And I think I earned the right to do so at this point. I'm just not, you know, due to my football career, I'm not in a position to carry a heavy load mm -hmm. like I did in my prime, standing up for 14 hours a day, mm -hmm. you know, going over to check on the smoked meats overnight. Mm -hmm. and doing those types of things. And certainly, more importantly, the thing that I'm most proud of is, is I, I was joking about it, but I actually get to sleep six, yeah. seven hours a night. Mm -hmm. I did not sleep yeah. for probably 20 years mm -hmm. of being in the restaurant and the catering business because I was always playing in my head mm -hmm. the inventory, the ordering, mm -hmm. the staff, right. timing, mm -hmm. how to keep labor down and right. keep production up. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and to keep quality going and how can I be at the restaurant mm -hmm. and be at five or six caterings on a Saturday mm -hmm. without harming myself. And, right. and the answer was some of that stuff had to go. And so what I, what I realized was the best future for us is to someday sell our patents to the debone baby back ribs or the boneless ribs as we call them as the brand name. Mm -hmm. And um, Kevin O'Leary on Shark Tank told me that seven years ago mm -hmm. on the show. Mm -hmm. And yeah. again, I missed the boat. Right. You know, he's on every day or, you know, right. regularly on the show. Mm -hmm. So I didn't see that. But now mm -hmm. that we built the brand, mm -hmm. now is the time to start looking at some people, big companies that mm -hmm. we could interest in mm -hmm. that could make it cheaper, mm -hmm. got Salesforce out there, mm -hmm. and then I can ride into the sunset and find something else to do. Absolutely. Well, I think that's the, that's the thing when you invent something, that is the ultimate goal is to first create something that people need, something that people want, something that people will buy, and then to sell it to people, somebody else that can make it 
and in larger quantities and reach the masses with the product. So I, I hope the same thing. I think we all worked our butts off to build an amazing product. I think we've proven that America will pay for and enjoys a real rib with the bones removed. And I think that our hard work and determination will pay off one day in the, in the near future. Mom, what, what do you say? What's your vision for the product? I have the same vision both of you do. I want to see you sell food trucks and franchise food trucks. I want you. you to accomplish your goals. And as a family, I definitely want to sell this company and move on so dad and I can travel the world. Yes, as you should <laughs> and as you deserve to do. And that leads me into, uh, I want to tell you guys, although it's 20 years later since we all worked from home, your hard work, determination, perseverance did not and does not go unnoticed. You guys are the strongest people that I know, and I am so proud and so grateful to be your child. Thank you. Thank you guys for creating a brand that I get to be a second generation visionary of. <laughs> and I love you guys. And I also want to add to the podcast that I, my brother, he grew up working in this business with us. Um, a couple of years ago, he uh, decided to take his own career path and he went the corporate route. I am going to have him on the Next Generation Visionaries podcast as a guest, and I will let him tell in his unfiltered own version. <laughs> unfiltered. <laughs> unfiltered version of why he decided to take a different career path. Tell him if he swears on air, I'll spank his butt. He's not that big. Yeah, right. He's only what, 6'6, six, six, about 275, I'd say. Yeah, yeah look out, world. Look yeah. out. Look out for James Baker. <laughs> My big That's baby. What I will not miss. Yeah, right. Yes. Yeah, so please like our podcast subscribe to it and tune in thank you we love you i love you guys more thank you for being my guest thank you for having me <laughs> thank you thank you guys love you love you more